Hear, for this is the word of the Lord. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long will you hunt for words? Consider, and then we will speak. Why are we counted as cattle? Why are we stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in your anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Will the rock be removed out of its place? Indeed, the light of the wicked is put out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp above him is put out. His strong steps are shortened, and his own schemes throw him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks on its mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel, a snare lays hold of him. A rope is hidden for him in the ground, a trap for him in the path. Terrors frighten him on every side and chase him at his heels. His strength is famished and calamity is ready for his stumbling. It consumes the parts of his skin. The firstborn of death consumes his limbs. He is torn from the tent in which he trusted and is brought to the king of terrors. In his tent dwells that which is none of his. Sulfur is scattered over his habitation. His roots dry up beneath and his branches wither above. His memory perishes from the earth, and he has no name in the street. He is thrust from light into darkness and driven out of the world. He has no posterity or progeny among his people, and no survivor where he used to live. They of the west are appalled at his day, and horror seizes them of the east. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. In the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we approach Bildad's second speech to Job, we can conclude so far there has been much resentment coming from Job's friends. We get a little bit more of that resentment in our text this morning. And the reason why there is resentment is because Job has rejected their counsel so far. Partly because their counsel misrepresented God and their counsel fell short of what it was meant to accomplish. And that was to comfort Job. Even in the speeches where there was solid and sound doctrine, they would never land, meaning the application failed. And so all of their speeches have failed. Why did their speeches fail? Because they were irrelevant to Job and his Circumstances. So when they sensed the pushback, they shot back with false accusations and the assurance that Job was on the wrong path toward destruction. And that is what Bildad would focus on here. He thinks he knows what he knows when he really doesn't know, and he knows for sure that hell is where Job is heading. Again, on its own, without considering the context, This is a good exposition of the doctrine of hell. And we will cover some of hell's characteristics and who exactly belongs in hell. But the question is, does Job belong in hell? Bildad will confirm that it is the wicked who belong in hell, but is Job wicked? So far, this is what it sounds like coming from Job's friends. But first... Bildad wants to put Job in his place. Bildad believes that he and Job are polar opposites when it comes to character. Bildad is righteous, 
while Job is wicked. So he believes they live in two different worlds or two different places. Bildad's place is a world with a fixed moral order in place that cannot be moved, not even by Job's pleading. And Job's place is one of torment and punishment. So with this picture-perfect place in mind, Bildad asks Job some questions. How long will you? The you there is in the plural. He's including him with the rest of the wicked. So how long will you, wicked people, hunt for words? He accuses Job of scrambling and looking for words that would justify rejecting his friend's wisdom. Like when you win an argument and the other person doesn't have much to say. He just makes something up like, well, well. well. But in reality, it is Job who still has the truth on his side. Then he responds to when Job suggested that what they know, even the animals know, back in chapter 12. But Job was just saying, what they were saying was nothing new to Job. But Bildad says, consider and then we will speak. Why are we counted as cattle? Why are we stupid in your sight? Don't ignore us because you think we're as dumb as oxen. Because who is the stupid one? You who tear yourself in your anger. That's pointless. Hurting yourself is not going to be of any help to you. What do you think? Do you think this world revolves around you, Job? What makes you so special? Shall the earth be forsaken for you, or the rock be removed out of its place? See, Bildad is saying that just like this world has a fixed physical order... This world also has a fixed moral order that God has put in place. And this world is reserved for the righteous. Is God just going to change his created order and move heaven and earth just for Job? Is he going to change his law of nature just because Job claims that he is innocent and his suffering was for nothing? We know he's guilty. It is all his fault. He sinned and sinners just get what they deserve in this world. That's just the way it goes. Who does Job think he is? God is not going to move the foundations of the earth in order to bless Job. The ironic thing is that Job said that God does move the foundations of the earth, not to bless, but to destroy. And if only Bildad and Job, for that matter, knew what God would do for his people and how he would defy what we perceive as the fixed created order to save his people countless times, like the parting of the Red Sea. And finally, and ultimately, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when he died and was raised from the dead and overturned the so-called natural order of life and death. So in his delusion, what Bildad has said so far is that this world has a fixed moral order and it is a place for the righteous. And God is not going to change this for Job. And because Bildad and his friends were experiencing health and prosperity, this proves that they are in right standing with God, or so they think. Now we know the truth is that we live in a fallen world and our Heavenly Father makes his Sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But not to Bildad. 
Because unlike his world, the world that Job is in right now is reserved for the wicked. What Job is going through looks much like the second place that Bildad has in mind. So he turns to Job and says, let me describe to you the place of the wicked. Let me tell you what they go through in this life. And you're going to have to figure out for yourself who the wicked is that I am referring to. And from verses 5 through 21, in a way, Bildad expounds what we call the doctrine of hell. And he does it quite well. But there are some major problems to the way he applies it to Job. Now, hell is a topic that many preachers try to avoid speaking about. And anyone in their right mind wouldn't speak about such a topic carelessly or flippantly. Because hell is a real place reserved for unbelievers at the end of life where they will endure God's wrath and punishment for all eternity. Primarily for rejecting his son, our Lord, and to the glory of his name. One of the scariest sermons ever written was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. But I believe, and this is my own opinion, just like in that sermon and in Bildad's sermon, the context and application is wrong and there is an important bit of information missing from the sermon. So first, Bildad says that the place where the wicked dwell is utterly dark. Indeed, the light of the wicked is put out and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent and his lamp above him is put out. Getting your lights put out is symbolic of death where the light of life is blown out. And the ultimate death that man experiences is in hell. It is described by Jesus as the outer darkness where the wicked are thrown and it is a place where the fire will continually burn. So imagine it is dark, but there is a flame burning that you cannot see. Paul says that unbelievers resemble this place because they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. This is why they are called the children of wrath. To Bildad, this is a perfect description of Job and where he is right now. Job even spoke of the land where he will go and not return as the land of darkness. And that Sheol is the place where he makes his bed in darkness. But Bildad says, that is the place reserved for the wicked. And if Job is going through this right now, then he must be wicked. Secondly, Hell is a trap. It is an inescapable trap. He says his strong steps are shortened and his own schemes throw him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet and he walks on its mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel. A snare lays hold of him. A rope is hidden for him in the ground. A trap for him in the path. Hell is a trap. A net. A snare. A rope. Or better, a noose that is hidden. A trap in the path that he walks in every day. This is a picture of how sudden we can be caught in it. From one moment to the other. This is why we preach the gospel of salvation with such urgency. Because life is short. 
And we never know when someone's last day will be. And all it takes is one snap of the finger. And we are caught in a trap that we cannot escape. Today we look around and we see the wicked, the unbelieving, those who reject Jesus Christ, walking around so confidently in their sin, self-deceived that everything will be all right in the end. And we ought not just look around at everyone else. We ought to look at ourselves and see in what ways we have been self-deceived. And this is perfect as we will be approaching the Lord's Supper. And in the Lord's Supper, we ask that you would examine yourselves. And this is not to draw us to despair, but to draw us closer to Christ. Because without Christ, there is a trap hidden in their pathway, which at any moment they will be caught and unable to escape. And his sin is the cause of it. He is to blame. It is his own schemes. He is cast into a net by his own feet. He tied his own noose. Kind of reminds you of Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus and later hung himself because of it. And the sinner cannot escape. This is how Job felt. He felt hedged in by God, unable to escape. He felt hunted by God as if he was a lion going after his prey. And he claimed that God has put his feet in stocks. He is locked in chains. Job felt like he was in a living hell. Bildad says, that is the place reserved for the wicked. So, Job must be wicked. Thirdly, hell is filled with terror. Terrors frighten him on every side and chase him at his heels. His strength is famished and calamity is ready for his stumbling. This is not speaking about Job's strength that is famished, but it is speaking of terror or the king of terrors and how he has an appetite for consuming life. It consumes the parts of his skin. Uh, Keep in mind, Job's skin disease. The firstborn of death consumes his limbs. The firstborn of death is a reference to death himself as a person, a grim reaper type figure. He is torn from the tent that is his home in which he trusted and is brought to the king of terrors. Just picture the grim reaper going around collecting souls as he has an appetite for consuming the living. And hell is a place of unspeakable terror. Terror is speaking of an overwhelming feeling of fear and horror. It is speaking of something demonic. Job speaks of terror throughout much of his speeches, like when he says... For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. What was it that he feared and dreaded? It was the wrath of God. For the terrors of God are arrayed against me. It even haunted his sleep. When I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. He pleads. Let him take his rod away from me and let not dread of him terrify me. He is in constant terror. He wonders why his friends can't see this as they presume Job's guilt and their own innocence when he says, will not his majesty terrify you and the dread of him befall you? Bildad responds, see Job, the reason why you feel this way is because you're wicked. Hell is where you belong. Fourthly, hell is a place of destruction and separation. 
In his tent dwells that which is none of his. Uh, Some have translated this to say, fire dwells in his tent, which makes sense given the context. And sulfur or brimstone, which is associated with fire, is scattered over his habitation. Again, hell is a place where there is fire and brimstone. Uh, For a worldly example, think of the fire and brimstone that burned Sodom and Gomorrah. Also, the day of the Lord, when the Son of Man is revealed, fire and sulfur will rain down from heaven. And the fire is scattered over the wicked man's habitation or property. Now think of the fire from heaven that burned up his sheep and his servants back in chapter 1. But also this fire comes from the ground up. He says, his roots dry up beneath and his branches wither above. This is another way of saying that this fire causes total and irreversible destruction. It burns the roots and the branches. This is a proper description of how hell is where there is total and unending destruction. It is an eternal habitation for the wicked. And it is where the fire is never quenched. He is saying this will never end for Job. Also, hell is a place of separation and isolation. And it reminds us of Job's current state in our text. His memory perishes from the earth and he has no name in the street. He has lost his standing in society and his prestige. He is thrust from light into darkness and driven out of the world. He has no posterity or progeny among his people and no survivor where he used to live. All his children were killed and there were no survivors besides the four messengers and his wife, who would all also later disappear. They of the West are appalled at his day, and horror seizes them of the East. Beloved, this is true of the judgment of God. Paul says that when the Lord Jesus returns, the wicked will suffer punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might, complete separation and isolation. We read in Psalm chapter 9, verse 5, You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Their existence will be forever forgotten. While the new heavens and the new earth will be the total opposite, as it will be a place of reunion and communion in the loving presence of God. Bildad says, But not for Job. Hell is where he belongs. Because fifthly, he concludes that hell is a place of God's wrath. So it is reserved for the wicked. Surely such are the dwellings of the unrighteous. Such is the place of him who knows not God. Now the question has been, who did he have in mind specifically? Whose situation has he been describing? The obvious answer is Job. And to Bildad, Job is just experiencing what he deserves. Bildad believes that Job's experience is evidence that Job is wicked. And if he is wicked, then this punishment fits the crime. And to Bildad, this is just a foretaste of what Job is going to experience for all eternity. Now, Bildad's description of what Job is going through sounds awfully close to what the scriptures describe as hell. And it is true that hell is a place reserved for the wicked. One day there will be this great division between 
the righteous and the wicked, where the righteous will inherit the kingdom of their father and the wicked will be cast into eternal fire. But what are some of the problems with Bildad's application? The first thing to notice is Bildad's motives. Bildad's motive for saying what he said was out of resentment. He resented the fact that Job has not received their counsel so far. You don't agree with me, Job? Well, now you're going to hell because you are wicked and unconverted. But is it that simple? So secondly, by preaching out of resentment, he misses some key information. Is Job a wicked man? Is he an unbeliever? Again, back to the drawing board. God has called Job blameless and upright. He called him his servant, and he hasn't revoked that title yet. And not to spoil the surprise, but God won't revoke that title, despite Job's imperfections. So Job is not wicked. He is not experiencing God's wrath for his sin. And he is not going to hell for all eternity. So thirdly, what is missing from this text? While his friends are right in that the world does have a fixed order since the beginning of creation, but we must also acknowledge that we are living in a fallen world with a fallen order. Bildad has a picture-perfect view of how the world works. So what is missing from Bildad's perfect, well-ordered world is redemption through suffering. Redemption through suffering. Bildad is making it seem as if it is impossible for believers to suffer the way Job has suffered. He is saying that true believers will never live through a living hell on earth or experience what it is like to be under God's wrath. But this is not the program that Jesus set up for his disciples, was it? He speaks of discipleship as taking up the cross, being dragged before the authorities, being hated, and persecuted for his name's sake. James and Peter speak about Christians going through various trials, and these are filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, according to Paul. Do you not think that in the midst of our trials, we won't go through what Job has gone through, whether physically or emotionally or spiritually? Is there no place for darkness in the Christian life? Is there no place for unforeseen tragedies and separation that was not caused by personal sin? And so, is there no place for comfort from God's word? Fourthly, what is also missing from Bildad's speech is just that. He is missing the point of who Job is. Job is not wicked, but he is a believer, a chosen seed, God's chosen servant. And what does God promise? This seed will conquer Satan. So he is ignorant of who Job is. He is missing the fact that Job foreshadows the coming Messiah. Because what he says about hell is true as far as it goes. Hell is dark. Hell is a trap. Hell is filled with terror. Hell is a place of destruction and separation. And hell is a place reserved for the wicked. But what Bildad ought to know is that hell will be overcome. And the state that Job is in is not permanent. The state that we are in right now is not permanent. 
Listen to what our shorter catechism says in question 20. Did God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? Like the misery that Job is going through? Answer. God having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity elected some to everlasting life did enter into a covenant of grace to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery and to bring them into an estate of salvation by a redeemer. And this redeemer would overthrow the powers of hell by going through the miseries of hell and taking on the wrath of God onto himself. And it is this redeemer that John would write about in the first chapter of his gospel. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. As the Redeemer Jesus Christ came to dispel the darkness that has ruled the minds of his people and the darkness of hell, how? By being subject to the supernatural darkness that came over the whole land when he suffered on the cross. He was subject to the trap of hell that he could not escape. He told his father, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And his father said, no. He could not escape. He had to endure the misery of the cross through betrayal at the hands of Judas. He sensed the terrors of death and the torments of hell in his soul. So much so that he was sorrowful to death. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He experienced the actual destruction of his body on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, actually died. It wasn't make-believe or a trick to fool his enemies. He was under the power of death in order to conquer death. On the cross, he felt the abandonment of his father when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This Redeemer, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He could have just destroyed everyone, but instead, he suffered destruction, separation, in isolation, separated and isolated from what was his due. He could have called the stones in all creation to worship him from the moment of his incarnation, but instead he suffered public shame and death. He experienced the separation from this life and from his family and from his friends. He endured it all. All of what Job went through, Jesus walked into it intently and purposefully as it was foreordained before the foundation of the world. He took on what is reserved for the wicked and what they deserve. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the righteous? No, for the ungodly. And so for the modern day Bildads, we need to be reminded that to a certain measure, followers of Jesus Christ will also drink of the cup that he drank. We will experience some darkness. We will experience the traps and snares of this world that is under the curse of sin. We will feel some of the terror of being trapped. Our bodies will go through destruction and death. 
And we will feel isolated at times, especially since we are no longer of this world. And as the world grows more cold to us, we will have some feelings of not belonging to this world. But take heart and remember these words of Jesus. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Meaning, he has overcome sin, hell, death, and Satan for us. So as we go through all of these trials and suffering, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, that is, through Christ who loved us. Amen.